So, how are you holding up with this heat wave, David? You keeping cool? Um, it could be worse. I'm not yeah. used to it, that's uh, for sure. And, uh, well, we hit 98 on Saturday. Yeah, something like that. So, that was a uh, record for this time of year. Uh, but, I mean, it's Monday... I mean, when we're recording this, Monday is going to be 70-something, so it's going to go down again. My mm-hmm. biggest problem is the bipolarness of Utah. Of It goes cold, hot, 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 and then a random cold spike. Mm-hmm. And then it's like my body just doesn't know what to adjust to. Yeah. I mean, this whole entire uh, spring has been the most bipolar that I've seen yet in my almost 32 years of being alive but i do remember back in the 90s when there used to be snow still on the on the uh, mountains until about mid to late june and then that kind of changed you know because everything else changes but this year i mean we've had what two different freak snowstorms in spring that yielded anywhere between two to six inches of snow on the ground and then cold snaps, lots of rain, and then it would get warm, and then another cold snap, and now it's spilling into into June as well with those cold and heat snaps. Uh, cold, yeah, cold and heat snaps and everything. But I know where you work out in the elements most of the time, you're the one that experiences it the most. Yeah, it's... it Summer's... I hate the summer in working, but it's like I also hate working in the winter, so it, I just hate working, I guess. Yeah, well, <laughs> and you were just telling me the other day that they don't even have you going back to Bear Lake anytime soon while the weather is nice, but they seem to keep sending you to Bear Lake when the weather's shit. Yeah, there's never a time I go to Bear Lake and the weather's not bad, but yeah, they don't know when the next trim for Bear Lake's going to be, and I don't know, they're everything's kind of up in the air right now in terms of what what we're doing so i mean i know i have my jobs for the most part but Mm -hmm. the problem is is i got too many jobs and not enough help yeah so they want me to get a lot of stuff and what we need is a second crew to trim but we'll see Mm -hmm. yeah we don't have manpower we just lost a guy so i mean we're definitely down a man after just hiring a guy who has no experience so really you know that doesn't help yeah and i know you had to go and buy new uh pants because this job like practically shreds your pants apart essentially yeah i i got down to my last pair of pants Mm. so i had to buy new pair of pants which is expensive you know 50 60 bucks for a pair of pants yeah Hopefully they'll last you. They should. They're Carhartt, so I, I think they'll last a little longer than my off-brand pants that I have. Yeah. We'll see. What did you think of the uh, Beehive Brewery that we ate at? Um, Well, my peach ale was pretty good. Yeah, it was. Um, The food was all right. I mean, the chips and salsa I had was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the salsa could have been hotter. It was mild at mm-hmm. best. Uh, but the guacamole was really tasty that I ended up putting on my burger, so... Yeah. 
Uh, that place wasn't bad. After when you already took like three or four bites out of it, and then I had to remind you of it. <laughs> True. Yeah, I was going to put guacamole on it, and I forgot because I was so hungry that I started eating it. And But it definitely made it taste better for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the food was decent. I know it was kind of bugging your, your gut that night. And surprisingly, yeah. the, the burger that I had didn't even bother my gut at all. So. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the sweet potato tater tots I had. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Which, I was wanting tater tots, but I didn't know they were going to be sweet potatoes, so I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. You like them? you like it when they use like sweet potatoes for like fries and tots like that? Because I've never been a fan of them. I mean, I can eat them. I've never craved them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I, I can eat it, and I don't mind it, but like, yeah. I, regular tater tots would have hit the spot better. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't mind sweet potato. <clears throat> okay. It's yeah, we uh, healthier, but... Yeah, true. Um, speaking of... Uh, totally off topic, but... Uh, both you and I went to that tattoo convention at the Union Station in Ogden. We both went separate times. Um... I was actually quite amazed on how many crystal and paranormal-esque type booths were there at a tattoo convention. Yeah. Yeah, there was quite a few, I think four different booths that uh, had, uh, you know, stones. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's crazy is it was Union Station's first ever... Um, thing like this like tattoos mm-hmm. um which hopefully that means that they are getting more open and we can start doing some more paranormal stuff there again yeah because uh, you even our, pointed out season. you're like this is the first time a tattoo convention's been at the union station but heaven forbid they do a paranormal convention there right yeah because they got we because we used to do it and then they got really uptight about it that they didn't like the paranormal so then they stopped doing it, but now they allow a tattoo convention to do it, which I would assume is up there is, you know, mm-hmm. not good for most people, would assume. Yeah. So, yeah. There was definitely a different kind of, like, boost there. I mean, there was the one that you can create your own stuffed animal. Then there was that other booth that had uh, those decorative skulls as well. Yeah. And then there was this one particular lady that I was talking with, and she was actually really, really nice. And she um, she makes these types of candles. She hand-makes them and everything for different types of things. Um, her website is witchywix.com. So witchy, W-I-T-C-H-Y-W-I-X.com. And I was talking with her about some of the candles and, you know, asking her, you know, do you believe that these actually work for the intended purpose that you make them for and everything? And she kind of just, like, went into detail and about the the candles and everything. And then I proceeded to talk about, um, you know, the expo that's going to be happening here later in the year here in Logan, the Para-X, in October. And I asked her, I was like, you, you know, are you guys booked out for October for conventions? And and I referred her over to John because I feel that her products would sell very well up there in Logan because not only 
or they they for uh, different types of things that she per has them purposely made for. They actually smell really good. Some of the ones that I smelled, they actually smelled like something that I would burn in my own house. And she's a small business. She's based out of, if I remember correctly, Salt Lake or Sandy or something like that. So it would be good to, to have her up at that convention. So I passed her information along to John. So hopefully she'll have a booth there. Yeah, that'd be cool. We definitely uh, have uh, recommended a lot of people for booths this year. Yeah. So you, hopefully it's a good turnout. Yeah, most definitely. Um, now, you were talking to me the other day about this. Uh, do you want to kind of explain what you were telling me about when you walked into the Union Station? Yeah, so uh, Jack, uh, he's the owner of uh, Skin It who put put it on um, and is actually uh, tattooed Sadie before. Um, he rented out the whole building uh, so people can just you know go throughout the whole building unhindered. Um, and so we were kind of wandering a bit and uh, definitely got uh, a feeling of a few people uh, spirits mm-hmm. wise. Mm-hmm. That uh, were definitely um, not happy with uh, what was going on. Yeah. In terms of the tattooing, because there was you know people actively getting tattooed uh, at the at that convention, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it was just because you know these spirits in in their time tattoos were uh, you know something not good, like criminals had them, right? Mm-hmm. So just seeing all this happening for a lot of spirits was actually making them really upset. So I could actively feel that. Then there were a few spirits that were curious and stuff like that. Uh, then there was the one dick in the back of the uh, stage area who was, he's always pissed. So I was seeing him. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the coolest thing that I saw was uh, uh, the, this lady in white that's there. Uh, I actively saw her walking around uh, amongst the crowd of people. Yeah. And it was just cool because I could tell that she, you know, stood out to me because she looked normal mm-hmm. in a sense that, you know, she was like wearing clothes and stuff and that was different from everyone else that was walking the floor. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of stood out to me and she was just wandering amongst the people. And what part of that building did you see her in? Um, I saw her uh, uh, in the mail sorting area, like where the stage is, that big open room. Mm-hmm. I just saw her there walking amongst the people. Hmm. Okay. Um, definitely was drained after we left because I was basically, since the moment I stepped in foot in that place, was like open. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't actively be open, nor did I actively try to close off. Just something about the Union Station when I'm there. It's just something that triggers when I'm there for some reason. Yeah. And didn't you guys go upstairs, too, as well? And you guys caught some different feelings up there? Yeah, because we were upstairs, and no one was really upstairs. Uh, but we were walking, and we just got, like, uh, halfway through the hallway, and I could just tell that I could just felt the energy shift. Mm-hmm. And I just turned to Sadie, and I asked her if she felt that, and she did. And, and then we just kind of walked a little bit, and then just turned around and went back downstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you asked me um what what i was feeling in the union station when uh when wit and i were there and to be honest with you like i told you the other day like 
I started getting bombarded with the different energies from all those people that were in there, and there were some people that definitely needed some help, but I wasn't in a position to help them, you know what I mean? And then just some of the energy that I felt off of some of the other people, they're just, they did not have good energy on them whatsoever, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, it makes you sick, so I had to, like, physically turn myself off from it so that way I can enjoy the convention and talk to some of the artists that I know personally and have dealt with in the past and everything like that and it was definitely different the fact that you experienced something completely different than I did you know what I mean that's just how certain people work I guess you know yeah I don't know Union Station is just one of my favorite places so yeah it was and different for me you want to explain why it's one of those places for you. I know we've talked about it a couple times uh, on on previous episodes, but why is the Union Station like the building for you? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I've had uh, different experiences there, and you know the times that I've done there and been there, I've had uh, profound moments uh, in terms of like when we filmed there and stuff like that, and the fact that it's uh, in Ogden, close to home. I just felt like a, a different connection to it because it's like in my area you know uh but yeah yeah i just mm -hmm. i have one of those things that just i left an imprint basically on that location mm -hmm. and i feel like the spirits there have kind of left their imprint on me so mm -hmm. it was more of a familiar connection mm -hmm. when i'm there yeah, because, I mean, we filmed an episode uh, on an old project there. Uh, we did, what, what was it, one year, two years doing the doing two the years. tours there? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, we have some history with that particular building, you know, investigating, guiding tours and stuff uh, like that. That's where I met Elizabeth Saint was there. Yeah. Yeah, you've been there more times thing. than I have. In fact, you were there at that investigation with Elizabeth Saint. Yep. Yeah. I'll have to try to dig up that photo and get uh, it posted. That's okay. that's okay. We don't have to do that. <laughs> we can uh, we can forget about that. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a good weekend though. I mean, it was it was a really good weekend for the convention. Um, they were handing out free rock stars uh, at that convention as well. Got to see some pretty cool artwork. Picked up a bunch of different uh, business cards and stickers and everything like that. And, it was pretty cool that there were other booths there that were tailoring towards like different type of tattoo guns and inks and then there was the other booth that was all about the sanitization of the and aftercare of like the tattoo and stuff like that and it was pretty cool i've never been to an actual tattoo convention before so it's definitely worth checking out if if you guys have never been to one you know what i mean yeah, it was cool. I'm sure Jack uh, cleaned up. I think he made a lot of money off of it. So. Oh, yeah. I think it was worth it, and all the tattoo oh, you, artists you, that were there had clients and tattooed them and stuff. Yeah, you even told me that it was originally supposed to be for two days, but they opened it up for a third day because it was just that successful. Yeah, because uh, on Facebook and how they were advertising it online, it was just Friday, Saturday, but then when we showed up on the Union Station sign, it, all, it had an extra third day there. Yeah. Which I was surprised they allowed him to do it on Sunday. Yeah. But hey, if they're if they're making money, you know what I mean? Might as well keep it going, you know? Right, yeah. So, it was cool. Yeah. 
it was definitely it was definitely a really good fun time and the different experiences and everything like that and i only brought this up because the paranormal aspect of it the fact that there were uh different stone and paranormal booths there and and then the paranormal experiences that that both you and i had you know what i mean mine was more directly towards energy of other people but you actually saw the woman in white walking amongst all the people and everybody is just oblivious to it you know yeah so yeah it, it was really cool but you ready to get this started yeah This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to... Bear River Paranormal Podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. This podcast represents the views and opinions of David and Shane and their guests to the show. The views and opinions are for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique to their experiences, knowledge, and research, any and all opinions expressed does not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of any Bear River Paranormal group member, nor any member of the paranormal community as a whole. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to us. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And on today's episode of the BRP Podcast, we are going to be talking about ghost trains. Uh, it's a story that David uh, found online, and it was very interesting, so we definitely wanted to talk about it. Uh, we will also be talking about the old sugar beet factory out in Garland, Utah. And we have some interesting equipment that we want to talk about. One is more tailored towards cats, but seemed to work well in the paranormal. And one was a unicorn that turned into a trigger device. So sit back relax and enjoy this podcast now for ghost trains david you this was in the slew of all the other uh stories that we wanted to talk about on this season of the brp podcast now what made this particular story very unique um well i saw it and i said hey that'd be cool and i sent it to you right (laughs) (laughs) essentially um and then and it kind of ties into what we were just talking about at the beginning of the episode too yeah true true it was a train station and then i think the other thing too that brought it up was uh we did an investigation on a train station like an actual train line Mm -hmm. uh railroad and uh we got some interesting uh evidence from that as well Mm mm-hmm so, I mean, definitely had our experience with ghost trains as well mm-hmm. uh, than, than these stories. Because, uh, I mean, we got where we're getting, like, the vibrations, like a train was, was coming on the tracks, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I think we, we've, we've experienced it firsthand. Yeah. 
which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember back when I was a kid, I watched, uh, I can't remember what the show was called, but it was on Saturday mornings and they talked about like paranormal stuff. And I remember, um, I think it was back east, I think, where these two people were doing work on the railroad and one person was pissed off at another person. And so as they were walking down the, the, the railway, you know, they, the one guy struck the other guy and killed him. And then the legend has it, if you walk down this set of tracks and you knock three times on the, on the, uh, on the rails, that a light would appear. And I remember that they were doing that. They would they would knock three times on the on the rail. They would see the light. They'd walk a little bit further and do it again. And then I remember that um, they did it and they stood up. And then all of a sudden, a big white flash happened right in front of them, and they freaked out and they ran and everything. And that was back when I was God when I was a kid when I watched that. So there's always been some type of, of experience, paranormal experience, when it comes to old trains and old uh, railways and everything like that. In fact, we checked out Golden Spike not too long ago, and we were getting phenomenal activity there. I mean, when they brought the east to the west together, that's essentially where that happened. And some of the activity that we were getting there was pretty phenomenal. I mean, on one side of it, it was a bunch of Irish people, and the other side of it was uh, the Chinese that was help building the the Continental Railroad, you know? And the Indians were watching from afar. Yes, they were. Most definitely. <clears throat> so this story, now, from what I was reading over it, it looks like it's a, uh, a combination of a couple different stories and, and one. Yeah. Well, by what I can see here, it says there are many uh, stories of sightings of ghosts or or phantom trains. They are not unique to just one country or region. These sightings uh, all have taken on folklore statuses. Uh, Here's just a few well-known ghost train stories. In Stockholm, Sweden, uh, has a phantom subway train that is called the Silver Pillen? or Silver Arrow. So many stories are told that it has become an urban legend. This phantom train is said to stop at random stations. It is seen either completely empty or a ghostly passenger inside. A warning is giving uh, never never to board, board it or you will end up in Kimmelinch, the station of the dead. So what they say anyway. This is a real subway station that is abandoned. Actual, actually, Silver Pillin was a real experimental subway train. It was used to used in test runs during rush hour. People considered it an eerie sight for it having no graffiti or advertisements uh, displayed on the actual train itself. It was rarely used and retired in 1996. It, w- it has gained a frightening reputation and to this day it is said to haunt subway workers in abandoned tunnels. That seemed... What are your thoughts on that, David? That just seems like more or less an urban legend more than anything else. 
Yeah, because there's not really a story of anything happening with this train. It just is a random train that shows up. So, and the fact that it was used as, you know, just a test train. And people saw it and are like, oh, that's weird. There's fucking nobody in it, you know. And it just turned into this thing. Mm-hmm. I think it just got blown out of proportion. And then yeah. this whole story with it, you know, being a train that delivers you to the dead station just seemed kind of overboard as well. Yeah. This next story kind of goes along with the lines of uh, residual haunting. The Canadian Street Lewis uh, Ghost Train, better known as the St. Louis Light, is seen along the old abandoned rail line that runs between Prince Albert and the small village community of St. Louis, Saskatchewan. Today, Saskatchewan. All- yeah, Saskatchewan. <laughs> uh Today, all of the remains of the tracks is a gravel road. The Phantom Train has been seen in many generations. Its lights appear at twilight or at night. It is always seen at a distance. Two legends for this reason the light appears are, it is actually the ghost of the man holding a lamp that was struck by a train and killed, or the light seen by a Phantom Train. In more recent years, two students were able to duplicate the phenomenon. Their efforts uh, discounted the sightings of the. F- their efforts discounted the sightings of the, f- the phantom train. They stated it was uh, just a diffraction of distant vehicle lights. Um, they won't be awarded for their efforts, but if this light was seen before the invention of cars, one has to wonder if it. If there is a real reason behind it, um, <clears throat> to me that almost sounds like something residual. Um, yeah, because I mean it's just one of those things that I think we dealt with residual too. It's just the energy mm-hmm. of uh, the train and stuff just on it, mm-hmm. um, especially depending on how many times that train was used. Yeah, um, there could be that potential. Um, but I like that people went and try to disprove it. Yeah. Try to get some, you know, scientifical things going on with how some things could be explained mm-hmm. in, in that story, but then other things of, you know, depending on how you felt and what you, you heard and with it as well, um, could help back up the, some of the stories. Yeah. And then this other, um, this or this other story in America, the most famous phantom train is seen on a regular basis. This ghost steam engine travels between Washington D.C. and Springfield, Illinois, uh, passing 180 cities each April. It is seen around the anniversary of Abraham Lincoln's death. Lincoln is not seen, but his flag-draped coffin has been guarded by ghostly Union sto- soldiers. The Phantom Train is seen emerging from a thick black fog, uh, towing several dark cars. It supposedly stop, stop, it, it supposedly stops watches and clocks in the surrounding areas it passes. It is said that as it arrives, people feel the air become heavy and colder. This train, it appears, never reaches its final destination, Springfield, Illinois. Ireland, a famous Well, that's a whole nother story. I thought that was a whole freaking paragraph. <laughs> Moses. That is, the en- 
That is the end of that story. That was the end of that story, real quick. It never reaches its final destination, exclamation point. Right. Well, and that's weird, because I've never heard of that. I knew that Abraham Lincoln was basically traveled the whole entire United States, the all the states that were states anyway, uh, to display, you know, the death of a president and everything. I knew about that, but I didn't know that there was some sort of a folklore behind it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That, that, that they do that. Yeah. Let's see here. Okay, so this, this last paragraph is about the Ireland one. So, in Ireland, a famous phantom train sighting occur, occurred along the lines of the clones in the north of Armagh in the west. This line is no longer uh, run, running, but in the summer of 1924, two men were sitting alone on the platform bench waiting for a train. Then suddenly they heard several voices in the train station behind them. Besides hus voices, uh, they heard a series of moans and groans. Curious, one rose to peek into the uh, station window and was surprised to see a deserted room that held benches and a long table, but no people. As the man returned to the bench, there where his companion sat, they both heard the sound of a train approaching the station. They moved to the tracks to look down the line in, in anticipation. The sounds of the approaching train became louder and louder. As it passed, they were where they stood, they heard a loud scream. They jumped back, startled. Then they heard a deafening train whistle blow. Despite these sounds, they never actually saw a train. Minutes later, when the signalman came out to the platform, the two men questioned him. He had not heard the train go by. Then he told them that just the year before, a man had jumped in front of a train. Uh, he had been brought into the station station's waiting room, but he was severely injured and nothing could be done for him. The signalman pointed to the long table inside and stated, He died right there on the table. Dun dun dun. Trains, man. I know, right? People love ghost trains. Right. There seems to be and just this in this one long paragraph, just four different train type stories, you know, folklore type things. One seems to have been disproven, the other three are just basically folklore. Now, David, <clears throat> do you want to talk about uh, some of the things that we experienced? And while we investigated that train and some of the uh, things that they talked about uh, during that tour that we did for the Union Station. Yeah, the it was a military medical cart train. Yeah. Um, that was coming from somewhere to the Salt Lake. Um, I don't remember if it had wounded soldiers on it or if they were sending it to a place that they could eventually transport wounded soldiers. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it got it got derailed and a lot of past people on board were killed. Um, but it was like a portion of it because there were cer certain trains, obviously the part at the Union Station that they still have was still on the tracks. It wasn't the derailed part of it, but it was mm -hmm. attached to the, the train that 
portions of it was derailed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have some of that. Yeah, and I remember that they were having a hell of a time trying to rescue those people because it happened right there at the Great Salt Lake when they had that that tracks going right through the middle of it. Yes, and I don't remember, was it because of another train passing by that derailed it? So it, like, crashed into another train? I think so. I think that's what the cause of the derailment was. So you Mm -hmm. have another train that's involved as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's just like a crumpled bit of metal and stuff. So yeah, I, I can imagine getting people out was probably very difficult. Yeah. And I know over at Golden Spike, <clears throat> which the anniversary was not too long ago, they actually have a couple of the refurbished um, steam liners and everything like that that they put on display. Um, didn't they have one sitting out there when we went rock hounding? Can't remember if there was one sitting behind the the golden spike or not oh yeah they had the two because uh yeah they they had the mm-hmm. two trains that are out there yeah because uh that was yeah the anniversary was was then yeah so i def if you guys ever come to utah or anything like that i would definitely recommend checking out golden spike because that is one, a major part of history that definitely tied the west to the east and made it a lot easier to travel across country because before then it was by horse and buggy and a lot of people died back then and now with this train system they were able to connect the west to the east together and then that's how the west got expanded was essentially by trains if i remember correctly in history u.s history anyway but yeah definitely a interesting topic nonetheless any final thoughts david um we did do a boarding house that was near a train station Oh yeah, Montpelier, huh? That had ties to the train yard as well. Yeah. Um, pretty much any place that has a, a train station town um, is going to be haunted. I would say that. Mm-hmm. No, because um, here in Logan, the train station is now a restaurant, um, Cafe Sabor, here in Logan. Then there's the Union Station down in Ogden. There is also another train station in Brigham City that other teams have been able to investigate in the past. We have not been able to get in there yet. Um, And then isn't there another Union Station down in the Salt Lake area, Sandy area? Uh, Well, the Salt Lake one is the Rio Grande Grande Station. Yeah, Rio Grande. Um, And then wasn't there the Rio Tinto one too, or... Um, that's a stadium, isn't it? I yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> so hmm. um, yeah, I don't. There's uh, I don't think there's another Union Station, but there could be. Yeah. Which is surprising that there's still a lot of different train stations still standing, even though they don't typically use that as typical transportation now. Um, there's different, there's different ones. I think the Amtrak is. The one that travels intercontinentally, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not very versed on this topic, so I don't know. But I do know that um, if there's still a train station still standing, it's either been refurbished or it's been turned into something else or it's been demolished. Yeah, they usually get turned into museums, it seems like. Yeah. Just because of the structure of the building. Mm Mm-hmm. And the grand entrance and the whole nine yards, especially the one right there in Ogden. That one's got a beautiful entranceway. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, but definitely an interesting topic. I mean, if you look up the history of what they use trains for, they use trains for everything before semi trucks became a became a thing. I mean, they right. still transport a lot of different things by train, but a lot of stuff is being transported by boat and semi trucks now. Yep. I mean, we still use shit tons of trains. If you ever go to lava, there's always a train going through that place. Yeah. Yep, there is. Hey, everybody. The sponsor of today's episode is Anchor, the platform that we use at the BRB podcast for our podcast. Anchor is an awesome web-based distribution type platform, kind of like Spreaker and some of those other platforms out there that allows people to host their podcasts. But here's the caveat. There is no caveat. It's free. Free? Yeah, free. Unlike some of the other streaming platforms that we've used in the past, like Spreaker, they limit you on how many episodes you can upload. They limit you on how many demographics and charts and stuff like that that you want to see and see how your podcast is doing so anchor provides all that for free you can upload you can have as many episodes as you want for how long it needs to be they give you all of the graphs and charts needed so that way you can keep track of your progress on how well you're doing for your podcast and they also give you the option to help monetize your episodes as well by either giving you some sponsorships or you obtain some sponsorships. We definitely, definitely recommend checking out Anchor for all of your podcast needs because us at BRP Podcast, we are a self-funded podcast. So the fact that we can use internet-based platform for free and they give us all the tools to make us successful is why we give them two thumbs up. So we definitely recommend you check out Anchor The link is in the description of this podcast. We would love for you to check them out and let them know that we sent you over to them. Thanks, Anchor. So the Sugar Beet Factory, David. That one was a that wasn't that one was a interesting experience, and you were the one that was you were the practically the only one that could get into the basement of that place. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of potential for that place, honestly. Mm -hmm. And our first initial night of being there was just to kind of float the waters to kind of get a, a feel of what it is because it was a huge place mm-hmm. um you know it was on the decrepit side so there was a lot of things going on but yeah it had a basement but you really couldn't access it because all the places that you could access the basement were basically blocked off because it was all underground mm-hmm. uh, but there was one small section that you could uh kind of get into and i squeezed my way down there and kind of looked at um at it but there was just so much garbage that was just piled up down there that you really couldn't proceed any further yeah um but uh, imagining that vast space down there is pretty wild mm-hmm. and then the fear of uh this could collapse on me at any moment uh got me out of there really quick yeah yeah it, it's a very it's a long tall building with the big old smokestack on it now there there i only know of three different ones there's the one when you go down to Santa Quinn, the one that's on the the left-hand side as you're going to Santa Quinn, you remember that one, David? Yeah. And then there's the smaller uh, Sugar Bee Factory in 
Preston as well. I grew up with that building always being there, just walking out my front door, and you could see it off in the distance. Um, <clears throat> the one in Preston is actually a lot smaller than the other two, um, but also the one in Preston is the most dilapidated one out of all of them. Um, but the one that we investigated was in Garland, and it was, I would say, what, about three stories high? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty high, and the higher you got, uh, the less floor there was, too, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that that was getting fun, like walls and stuff. Uh, definitely uh, elemental uh, exposure to it. Uh, we even were talking about filming there at some point, too, but... Yeah. Just things just, just happen, and I don't know if we'll ever be able to do that place again, honestly. Yeah. Which is Which sucks, because that place had a lot of potential. I mean, there was that huge-ass mirror that definitely gave you the creep vibe yeah well there was the room of people overdosing in too mm -hmm. and so just I mean, sitting was... in the main area you could just hear things just being moved footsteps knocks the whole nine yards if you just sat there and just listened yeah there was there was quite a bit going on for sure mm -hmm. and the grounds were interesting as well i mean you could tell that there was additions to that particular building but they have since been collapsed and all you could see is just the physical you know base of the structure of it and then some pretty deep holes too where I would assume that they probably put big old vats and everything like that where they were sitting yeah yeah well you can see where uh, it, there used to be more attached to it as well because you're standing on the foundation and nothing around you that you knew that that was part of the building too at some point mm -hmm. so it actually used to be a lot bigger than what it is now Mm -hmm. by a lot and you can just tell that after it being closed down that it just slowly started collapsing on itself yeah and do you think because the the size of it do you think the location had the biggest determining factor of it for the sheer mass of that building yeah it was kind of in an ideal spot to uh you know to build that for mm -hmm. whatever you were uh using it for yeah, because essentially I-15 runs that whole entire area all the way from Pocatello all the way down to Salt Lake City and down to Nevada. And the other big one is down over there by Sanaquin. Once you get past Provo, you see it off to the left-hand side. And I would dare say it's probably about the same size as the one in Garland. But I feel like that one down there is more complete than the one up here. From the road, anyway, that's what it looked like. Yeah, I, I assumed it during its operational time it was probably a, the where everyone worked in that town mm -hmm. and that was actually the cra the cash crop around here for the longest time was using beets for sugar that's why they made these big old um big old buildings to handle it and like the one in preston if i remember the history of that most of the farmers in the preston area used to grow sugar beets and then they would sell it to that factory and then they would turn it into sugar and, and all that. But then once the once sugar beet sugar wasn't as popular as it was, it started going downhill and most other farmers either sold off their land or they converted it over to something else like wheat or barley or hay or alfalfa or anything like that or corn. Because that seemed to have paid out a lot better than sugar beets did back in the day. But the actual investigation of that building was pretty intense. Um, 
we were able to gain access to the location because of an old investigator's uh, brother-in-law actually started up a RV repair shop out of that building, which would make sense for the sheer size of that building. He was able to put quite a few big trailers inside of there without any issues of room or anything like that. When we investigated there, we couldn't really get a good camera set up in the main area because of how many trailers that he had in there. And just how vast the space was. I mean, the IR lights wouldn't be able to light up anything. Yeah. It was a huge area. I mean, if, if anybody's ever been inside, say, for example, the Union Station, that's actually a pretty good comparison. The main area of the Union Station's pretty big. I would say that the main area of the old sugar beet factory was at least double that size, would you say? Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's it's just a lot of ground to cover, you know, and even though a lot of these cameras can do a lot of different things and they're way better than the cameras back in the day, you would have to pretty you would have to get a pretty substantial infrared light to be able to illuminate that whole entire area and that would be very costly. I think we tried, didn't I try setting up like three different IR lights, like 20 In feet apart from each other? Rows. Yeah. yeah. To try to illuminate the whole entire place, and it didn't end up working out too well. But it was a good investigation. It was, it was really fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just wish we yeah, could go back again. I, I don't remember too much of what we got evidence-wise, but I definitely do remember the most with uh, in that you know drug room, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then I think just things with your walking around, because it was kind of a labyrinth in a certain area, mm -hmm. um, just kind of walking around and just get this feeling that something's behind you. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. In terms of like, you know, it wasn't like too dark or negative and just kind of all over the place, really. Yeah. I still have those pictures from when I was walking around and and taking pictures for all you guys so I'll get those posted up so everybody can see what was on the inside of this place um, if I remember correctly their plan was to clean it all out and they were gonna build onto that building and make it better and then they up and moved to Florida or something like that so I don't know what the status is of that building now I don't know if anybody else is gonna be using it or whatnot I do know that a part of that building is leased out to the government so that way they could use the the tower for the cell service and everything like that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a fun investigation. I would love to go back there, but I just don't know if we're going to be able to get there again. Right. Unfortunately. Oh, well. But there are other places in Garland that we checked out as well that had awesome activity as well, like the library and the bar. That Those two were good locations right there in that small little town. True. Well, so for the equipment on this particular episode, we're going to be talking about cat toys and the unicorn rembear. Now, I personally bought these two pieces of equipment. Um, cat toys, ironically enough, uh, work very well with paranormal investigating. Um, the ones that I picked up, they light up in what yellow, blue, and red, and uh, they're triggered by motion so as long as you turn it on and you set it on the ground um, as long as something bumps it it will uh, set itself off uh, the only time I've ever seen that happen 
was at Montpelier in that residential. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple, basic tool, but I, it and cheap, honestly. So it it's, does what you need it to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's I think it was a good good score on that one. Yeah, you uh, walked in while it was going off. If I remember correctly, I'd have to watch the video, but I think you were walking into the building or into the room and it was going off and you were just standing right there, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, I do remember uh, seeing that it was going off when we walked downstairs. Yeah, and that was the only time I've ever seen it physically go off. Now, we used it uh, the other day at Benson Grist Mill. Um, someone left a hula hoop there, so we used that as kind of like the barrier to keep the balls in, in the same area. Uh, we tried using it in the small mill where we got that uh, baby giggle the last time we were there. And unfortunately, none of those went off. Um, but it didn't hurt to try. You know what I mean? We were definitely trying to get in contact with the children's spirits that were there, which we talked about on another episode of the BRP podcast. We did get some confirmation, but they didn't play with the equipment. <clears throat> But I will give you warning, though. There are going to be people out there that are going to try to rip you off when you try to buy these. I'll try to find the link of the one that I purchased. And then I'll try to find links of other people that are trying to sell the exact same thing, but putting the tag paranormal on it and then charging an upcharge just because it's got the paranormal tag on it. So I would definitely uh, watch out for that. It's... It shouldn't cost too much. I think I remember I paid like 10 bucks or something like that for three balls. So, I mean, it's really not that bad. And they work. They really do work as a trigger object or for, or, or for anything like that. But the REM bear, the unicorn REM bear that I purchased, this was actually made by Simon Cox over in the UK. Um, he makes a number of different equipment, but I wanted the Rem Bear, the Unicorn Rem Bear, mainly because I've always wanted the Boo Bear, but I've never been able to afford it. But I've been seeing a lot of people using the uh, using these types of bears as trigger objects. So when I reached out to him, I think I paid like $85 and that was including the shipping or something like that. It took a while for me to get it, but once I did get it, I mean, it, it was pr- it's pretty much self-explanatory. It's basically a REM pod, but only in a uh, teddy bear fashion. The one that I wanted, I wanted the actual teddy bear, but he only had the unicorn available. So I got that one. And the way that he built it, he used a bunch of copper wire thin very thin copper wire and he wrapped it around the horn and around the body of the actual uh unicorn itself and on one of the hands is the on and off button um and it's got lights all over it as well and then the uh, battery cable comes out the bottom part of it and that where you just connect a nine volt battery and you try to stuff it in that little hole but and then it ends up not working so i got to figure out something else out for it but it seems to work. I mean, it went off. I remember it going off, and uh, was it the was it the REM bear that went off in the bedroom when we weren't in there at the Montpelier location, um, or was it my off-brand REM REM pod that went off? Uh, I don't remember. I know what the unicorn has gone off before. I just don't remember which location it has done. That. Yeah. And I can't, yeah, like what David said, I can't remember exactly where 
we used it where it went off and everything, but it has gone off before. It's one of those that um, I would rather use it as a trigger object for a particular purpose, like if there's children involved or anything like that. But I even had that, I remember having it for the uh, Thatcher investigation, that didn't even go off there, but they were playing with the other REM pod though. Yeah. But I don't think I had the cat toys for that one either. I can't remember. Um, but it's more of a trigger object type piece of equipment than anything else. And that's essentially what we were trying to use it at the Benson Grist Mill. Um, I am going to try it out at a couple other locations as well. See if I can get it. You see if I can get the spirits to, to play with it and everything. Catch it on camera. And if I do, then I'll definitely upload video of it, as long as it's not a residential, so you guys can see exactly what we're talking about. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I don't know if Simon is actually making those bears anymore. Uh, I will post up his information in the uh, group page, so that way you guys can hit him up and see if he can make you anything like that. But he also makes other equipment as well. He makes his own version of a spare box. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think he made his own version of the portal too. Um, but yeah, he he seems to be very knowledgeable when it comes to these types of things, and that's why I, I bought it off of him. So I definitely recommend it as well. What are your thoughts on it, David? Um, I think all of those that we've talked about are pretty good. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's it's a. It's just like a REM pod, but if you add in the fact that it, you know, looks like a, a toy that, you know, instead of something scary as like a REM pod might look to spirits, I don't know what the fuck that is. At least having something that looks like a shape they might be familiar with makes it less likely for them to be scared to touch it. Yeah. And that seems to be the going thing these days when a lot of people use different types of trigger objects. It seems to bring more... Uh, responses and activity than something that just looks completely alien to them because I mean we're we're talking to spirits that could have been from like the 1500s all the way up to 1980s you know what I mean so these t these kind of things were not existing back in the day so it can be intimidating to certain spirits so I like the fact that some of these are more tailored to become more friendly towards the spirits so that way it makes it easier for them to to communicate with us and I like that concept to be honest yeah so they're uh, they're pretty good I definitely recommend the the cat toys I think that's pretty good especially for how cheap that is mm -hmm. I feel like everyone could uh, could use those in their arsenal and then mm -hmm. yours is a little more custom in terms of the thing so I mean if you could get it even like a boo bear or anything like that I think that'd be cool, and I would definitely recommend you to get it, but I, you don't have to go out of your way to get it. Yeah. Most definitely. Alright, any final words, David? Um, just check out our merch store. Mm -hmm. um, that's honestly the biggest thing. We have some pretty cool stuff uh, on there, and that's the biggest way to support us, honestly, so yep. just do that. And we are getting close to when the convention is happening here in Logan, Utah. So uh, I will be a guest speaker at the Logan, Utah Para-X convention. 
It is going to be in October uh, 14th or 15th. We'll, we have the links in the description of each of these podcasts down below. And uh, we'll be posting up reminders for everybody so that way you guys can come and check out the event. It is going to be for two days, Friday and Saturday. Uh, we plan on uh, being there both days. Uh, we are going to try to sell some stones that we have went out and rock hounded. Uh, over the course of the summer so far we've gotten a good amount of selenite and i do believe we're in talks of going to a couple other locations as well to go and and do some more rock hounding so we can sell you guys these awesome stones that we uh, used our our time to go get them for you guys but we definitely recommend you check it out um if i remember correctly i think the lineup for that convention is kind of the same as last year i don't didn't see shannon legro on the lineup for this year but we do have a bigfoot ec- expert coming in another paranormal two other paranormal teams that are also going to be there as well um do you remember did you see anything else about that of the guest speakers david um you know more than me <laughs> yeah i have no idea yeah I do know I did get an update from Anne not too long ago about the progress of everything, and they got a, quite a few sponsors this year, so it looks like uh, this is going to be more successful than last year's convention, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, but once the date gets closer, we'll provide you guys with more information about it, but since we are going to be two to three months away from it now, uh, start planning for it, and we are going to be advertising for it as well. But we thank you so much for tuning in to us today, and you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye. You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRP Podcast. If you are interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.